Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you guys tuned in today. So here's what to expect from this podcast, and I'm going to try to not let the perfectionism slip in here because, hey, I'm ADHD. And that's just it. That's the thing to expect. I am ADHD. I'm an ADHD life coach with ADHD, diagnosed at 28 and now 30 years old, learning still to this day other ways to manage the challenges ADHD brings to my world and to help others better manage those challenges too. My whole world is ADHD. I have a neurodivergent family. I spent eight years working in special education. I am in a relationship with an ADHD partner who has ADHD children. So really, truly, I am ADHD. And I hope that through this podcast, you learn from those experiences and you get some helpful tips and tricks to maybe help you understand, accept, and coordinate the chaos that comes from your ADHD too. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about the three types of ADHD. There are many people out there who still use the term ADD, but that's been outdated for quite some time now. ADD is actually now considered ADHD predominantly inattentive type, according to the DSM-5. The type that society most recognizes as ADHD is ADHD predominantly hyperactive type. This is the type where people think of the bouncy little white boy, and spoiler alert, that's not the only thing hyperactive type looks like. Then we have the third subtype, which is combined. Um, And this is actually the subtype that I fall into with my diagnosis. So what makes these three categories different? Well, that's exactly what we're gonna talk about right here on episode two of Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. So I'm going to start off by saying that I am not personally a fan of the name ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. You see, the issue I have with this name is that it's not really a deficit of attention, but rather a difficulty regulating that attention. ADHDers can tell you all about hyperfocus, especially when it happens during a special interest project. The world around us seems to fade away as we become fully engrossed in whatever activity we're working on, like me making this podcast. Seriously, I lost two whole hours making my first episode, which was only 15 minutes long when all was said and done. But with all of the sections that I recorded individually, though, and then re-recorded because, hey, thanks, perfectionism, (laughs) the episode production took two hours. And then in that hyper-focus mode, we forget to eat, drink, and sometimes even use the bathroom. But we hold our attention that entire time and don't break focus for even our basic human needs. So yeah, not an attention problem in the way some might think. Also, Hyperactivity looks different as an ADHD approaches adulthood. As a kid, yeah, it can totally be the literal bouncing. But for most of us with hyperactivity, as we get older, it shifts from bouncing all over the place physically to more bouncing in our brains than in our bodies. Don't get me wrong. We can have physical activity present itself. We can have a feeling of restlessness. 
But the older we get, the less it looks like the stereotype in movies. So let's talk about the hyperactive type in adults. According to the DSM, to be diagnosed as hyperactive, you must meet at least six of the following criteria for at least six months. I do want to throw a quick disclaimer out there that this episode is not meant for diagnosis. I am not a doctor or psychologist, and I cannot diagnose anyone, especially over a podcast. I am simply sharing this for educational purposes. If you or a loved one is suffering from undiagnosed ADHD, I encourage you to talk to your doctor about taking the proper steps towards a formal diagnosis, as a diagnosis can help with giving you access to supports and protection under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But I digress. Let's talk hyperactivity. So, symptom one. You often fidget with or tap your hands or feet or squirm in your seat. Yeah, I do all of this to this day, and this is why I love fidget toys. They have seriously been such a game changer for my ability to stay focused in most situations. I highly recommend them and have an Amazon list full of different fidget suggestions over on my website, including more discreet fidget items like fidget rings. Oh my gosh, those were a game changer when I worked at school. Next symptom. Often leave seat in situations where remaining seated is expected. Yeah, uh, this is why my seventh grade science teacher signed my yearbook saying he'll always remember me as the girl who wouldn't stay in her seat. <laughs> Seriously, how was I not diagnosed? <laughs> okay, next one. Often runs about or climbs in situations where it's not appropriate. Adolescents or adults may be limited to feeling restless. Yeah, I feel restless in a lot of situations but my partner does the climbing thing <laughs> as a 30-year-old man. <laughs> Sorry, honey, it's the truth. I love you. <laughs> Often unable to play or take part in leisure activities quietly. Okay, so this one depends on the day. Uh, keeping up my camouflage is pretty exhausting, so if the leisure activities are around other people, I'll sometimes relax because I'm so exhausted and that kind of makes me quiet. But overall, staying quiet is not something that I'm great at. Is often on the go, acting as if driven by a motor. Okay, so this was my high school and college self. I was always doing something or going somewhere. Seriously, I was president of like 10 clubs my senior year of high school and then continued to have that same stamina into my college activities. I was all over the place uh, until my traumatic relationship after college, which made me way less mobile and the motor kind of stopped as I sat in dorsal mode most days but I have been reinvigorated in the past year and I feel like myself again. Being in a healthy, a healthy relationship is a game changer. 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> Often talk excessively. Hmm, no, not me. Yeah, uh, this is why both myself and my sister won most talkative in our senior classes. Both of us are ADHD but we graduated 10 years apart from different high schools and both still won the senior class superlative in our respective schools. Often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed. 
Uh, yeah, the know-it-all part of me is very guilty of this and the impulsive part too. Yeah, guys, uh, this is a sign of impulsivity. Often has trouble waiting their turn. No, never. <laughs> okay, maybe. Often interrupts or intrudes on others. For example, butts into conversations or games. Okay, yes, but usually because I am either so happy and excited or because I don't want to forget what I wanted to say. Uh, but this is also an impulsivity thing. Okay, so now let's talk about inattentive type. Just like hyperactive type, you must meet at least six of the criteria over six months. Uh, and I will link the CDC article listing the DSM criteria in the show notes for you guys so you can see the symptoms without my babbling in between. Don't worry. So let's get into inattentive type. Often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork, at work, or with other activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, about every other worksheet I make has a typo that I missed because I am so excited to use it that I don't triple check it. And then I notice the error when I'm working on the sheet with whoever the first person to use the sheet is. Yep. Often has trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities. Okay, so this is why when I was making jewelry, I never started a super involved project. I was always worried that I would lose interest and it would sit unfinished. So I kept a lot of my work simple. Even when I was capable of doing more, I just was always so worried that I would lose interest and I might be mad if I had to stop for some reason. My brain does not like stopping projects midstream. We've worked on that, gotten much better. And yes, I do use my brain in third person sometimes because it's my toddler brain. It is sometimes like a whole nother person that I have to fight and argue with to do things. Okay, moving on. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Okay, this is a subject I want any neurotypical listeners to hear me on. Eye contact does not mean someone is listening to you. Trust me. There are times that we can be staring into your soul and not hear a damn thing you're saying. So can we please normalize that someone can be looking away and still paying attention? Because I can tell you most ADHDers I know hold focus way better while doodling than just staring at someone talking. Often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork, chores, or duties in the workplace. For example, loses focus, gets sidetracked. Oh, the distractibility. This is why I actually keep a notepad or whiteboard in every room. I'm serious. Every room of my house has one of those two things. Just so that I can jot down the thing I remembered I needed to do while doing the other thing. So I finish the first task and then I go back to my board to the thing that I wrote down. And then I can do that thing. Often has trouble organizing tasks and activities. Yep, planning and organizing is such a challenge for our brains. You wanna know why? ADHDers are not linear thinkers. What I mean is, a neurotypical person can see a task and know that this is step one, step two, and step three. Then, <laughs> 
They do the task in order according to the plan. I know, crazy, right? ADHD brains see the task and they see all of the task. We see the past, present, and future of a task. And because we see the entire thing and not the individual steps, it makes it hard to decide where to even start, let alone what step comes next. Often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time, such as schoolwork or homework. Yup. And this actually ties back into that jewelry thing I talked about earlier. If I know I want, I need to commit a huge chunk of time, my brain is hesitant to do the thing just for fear of it being too mentally draining after a while. This happened with like reading a textbook in school. I hated having to sit and take in a whole bunch of information that was of no interest to me, especially if the chapters were over like 40 pages long that just killed me in school and would usually result in me not actually reading the chapter that I was supposed to. Wee -wee Unexpected twist. Hey, since you are doing such an incredible job listening to me ramble on during this podcast, I want you to do something for me really quick. First, unclench that jaw. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Unclench your jaw shake it out. See, doesn't that feel better already? All right, now we're going to take a couple of deep breaths. Just, just go with me on this one. Okay. Trust me. In through the nose, out through the mouth, smell those flowers, blow out the candles. One more time, friends, in through the nose, out through the mouth. All right, shake out those shoulders, let the tension go. And if you don't have one with you already, go grab a glass of water. Great job. I am so proud of you for doing that with me and I appreciate your flexibility. Okay, we can get back to the podcast now often loses things necessary for tasks and activities. For example, school materials, pencils, books, tools, wallet, keys, paperwork, eyeglasses, mobile phones, etc. I mean, there's a reason why I always talk about my Google Home. I ask it at least once a day where I put my phone. I will say though that having a home for most things is the best change I have ever made for myself. I rarely lose anything other than my phone. And the reason I lose my phone so often is because it's really the only item in my life that doesn't have a home. It doesn't have a place that it goes when it's not in use. My keys or my purse, they're always in the same spot. And that saves me so much time and stress. My phone is always in my hand. And if it's not in my hand, then I just set it somewhere. And that's the problem with the phone. But that is also why I love my Google and that my watch can also help me find my phone too. That's pretty freaking cool. All right, next one. Is often easily distracted. Aw, squirrel. Wait, what was I saying? <laughs> Seriously, squirrel gang, what, what? All right, uh, is often forgetful in daily activities. Let's face it. Our working memory isn't great. Our neurotypical peers can hold about five bits of information in their working memory, 
while we can hold about two. And here's the really sucky part. Our senses actually influence our working memory. So this is why a loud sound might push a thought completely out of your head. Okay, so we've talked about hyperactive and inattentive types now. There's also a third type, which is combined type. Uh, and that's clearly what I have, given that most of the symptoms above apply to me, <laughs> if you couldn't tell. Uh, but to be considered combined means having symptoms of both presentations for over six months. Uh, please be mindful that in addition to the sets of criteria we've just reviewed, there are also a few other things that need to be present in order to receive a diagnosis by the DSM. Uh, several inattentive or hyperactive impulsive symptoms were present before age 12. Several symptoms are present in two or more settings. So this is home, school, work with friends or relatives or in other activities. Uh, there is clear evidence that the symptoms interfere with or reduce the quality of social school or work functioning. The symptoms are not better explained by another mental health disorder, such as a mood disorder, anxiety disorder, dissociative disorder, or a personality disorder. And the symptoms do not happen only during the course of schizophrenia or another psychotic disorder. Uh, please be mindful though that other comorbidities can occur. So you can have ADHD and bipolar or ADHD and OCD or all three and then some. Having ADHD doesn't mean other mental health concerns can't be present. Uh, if you do feel that more than just ADHD is going on, I encourage you to advocate for yourself and get answers so that you can have a total diagnosis. I know what it feels like to have a missing piece. I'm diagnosed with generalized anxiety and PTSD, but my ADHD was actually the thing making my anxiety worse while it was undiagnosed and untreated. Getting the ADHD diagnosis added to the list, but it actually filled in the missing piece of the mental health puzzle for me. I am now in a really healthy state in regards to my mental health and continue to improve and grow every day. Taking charge of my ADHD has been a game changer, and I am so glad that I started this journey last summer to learn the skills and strategies necessary to function as my best self with ADHD. Seriously, shout out again to my incredible therapist. She changed my life. Uh, I fully accept my ADHD for what it is, and that helps me to best strategize what my brain needs to get the task done. Learning these things has changed my life. For you guys to learn more skills and strategies, head over to my website, theadhdlady.org. There you'll find blog posts, links to my social media with helpful tips, as well as info on ADHD coaching. I'm currently accepting new one-on-one -on -one clients as well as gearing up for my large group coaching to begin this fall. To chat one-on-one -on -one about what service might be best for you, schedule a half hour consultation with me through my website or through my email, theadhdlady at gmail.com. I'm here to help you unlock the best parts of yourself and to stop the negative self-talk that holds so many of us ADHDers back from being truly happy with our authentic selves. Thanks for tuning in this week to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. Next week on the podcast, we're going to start diving deeper into some common ADHD symptoms. Can't wait to see you then. Until next time, this is Amanda signing off.